This podcast is brought to you by Uconnect, the creator of the first all-in-one virtual career center. Scale your impact and engage more students with a platform that puts all of your career resources in one place. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Career Everywhere podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Metzger, and this week I'm excited to welcome Christian Garcia, the Associate Dean and Executive Director of the Topple Career Center at the University of Miami. In this episode, I talk with Christian about how to make career services everybody's business. And he would know, career services is everybody's business is the motto of the Topple Career Center team. Christian walks through three ways he and his team bring that motto to life at the University of Miami. The first is a career services toolkit his team put together for faculty. The second is an initiative to launch RSS job feeds from Handshake on every school and college website. And the third is an annual awards ceremony honoring faculty, students, staff, alumni, employers, and more who exemplify a commitment to career education and guidance. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for being here, Christian. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. And I'm excited to talk to you today about your Career Center's motto, which is career services is everybody's business. And I know there are a few specific things that you've launched in the last few years to really support that motto. And I'd love to dig into those as well. But first, for some context, for those of you listening, Christian has worked in career services at the University of Miami for 22 years and has spent the last 15 or so of those leading the Topple Career Center. In that time, he's done a lot of really innovative things in an effort to elevate the role of career services and empower as many people on campus as possible to have those career conversations with students. So I'm super excited to have Christian on the pod today to talk about what it means to make career services everybody's business and then how he's making that concept a reality at the University of Miami. So before I get into my questions, Christian, is there anything else you'd like to add about yourself, your role at the University of Miami or your background? Sure. I guess I'll start with, you know, to be quite honest, that I really never intended or wanted to work in career services. And I always like to share that story because I was working kind of on the other side of us, the student life cycle, working with incoming freshmen with Eastern Orientation and those kinds of programs. And I finally just woke up one day and decided I want to change, but I still want to stay in higher education. But career services was not nowhere <laughs> near on my list, you know, let alone at the top of the list. So I kind of fell into this um, as an associate director and associate, sorry, an employer relations. And here I am 22 years later, someone who gets bored pretty easily and pretty quickly for it to be at one place for 22 years tells you that it has evolved and changed so much that it has kept me motivated and excited to continue to try new things and, you know, be as dynamic as possible. So I always like to share that because I think it's important. This was not like something I had intended to do necessarily. <laughs> so there's that. And I would say the other thing is, you know, being a first generation college student, the first in my family to go to college, that really kind of informs the work that I do on a daily basis. Because I think back to when I was in college, I had no idea what career services was or did. And I was like, wow, if I would have used it, who knows? Who knows where my life, you know, what trajectory it could have taken me. Although I'm happy. I'm glad that I, <laughs> I landed where I am. But we're always looking at it from many different lenses, but from especially from those students who don't have folks in their family or in their immediate, immediate family to help guide them along the process when it comes to college. And then the last thing I'll say is that Topple is, we are kind of a primarily centralized career center or university when it comes to career services. We do have some, there are some offices throughout campus, little ones, 
but we do serve all the students, both undergraduate and graduate. So I thought I'd just set that stage as well. Okay. Well, thank you. That was some great context. And it sounds like you've kind of found your groove in terms of your career path. Absolutely. And I think I always say it's, it's interesting because career services, you have like one foot on campus and one foot off, off of campus because, you know, you have this, these two kind of, well, we have many audiences, but you have the internal and the external. And I think that's really different. I think you'd be pressed to find an office that touches so many different audiences, both on and off campus. So I think that's really unique. That That's what's, one of the things that excites me. And then also I have more balance in my life, to be quite honest. You know, my summers aren't shot anymore doing student orientation. I'm able to kind of, you know, have ebbs and flows, but they're spread out. So it's really nice to have that. I always say we're the best kept secret in higher education, you know, career services. And I believe that. Yeah, I can totally see that. It's funny. I've heard a few people on this podcast mention that they love career services because it's constantly changing. Yeah. Your comment about kind of being in two different worlds made me think of that because not only is are the students and the way students consume career resources and all of that, that's changing. But then just the world of work and the way people are Absolutely. hiring is changing. Absolutely. And yeah, so you don't, you can't get bored. If you're bored, there's something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Uh, let's see, before I get into my more specific questions about our topic today, Christian, I want to kick us off with a question I've been asking all of our guests. And that is, what does career everywhere mean to you? For me, it's very similar to what our model is. You know, career services is everybody's business. I truly 100% believe, and it's something that I'm screaming from the rooftops constantly, is that our work can and must be shared. There's no way that one office can or should be the sole deliverer of career support, guidance, education. It's just not possible. So I believe that Career Everywhere is about that. It's about also utilizing the tools, technological tools, to be there for students when we're asleep, when we're on holiday, right? You know, we cannot be there 24-7, but we can be there 24-7 when it comes to offering, using a variety of the technologies that are available that will continue to develop and change and new ones will pop up. I think that's another component of this Career Everywhere notion. Okay. Yeah, I love that. And I know you said there's a lot of overlap between Career Everywhere, that your Topple Career Center motto of career services is everybody's business. But can you tell me a little bit more about that motto specifically, kind of what it means to you, why it's important to your team? So we kind of came up with this motto slash mantra, you know, when we were putting together our last strategic plan, and it's been a while now, but I think it was born out of really trying to wake people up on this campus that everybody has a part in this. Everybody has a stake in it. And it's not about you know shirking our responsibilities or saying that we want other people to do our job or that we expect other people to become career coaches or counselors. No, it's not about that. But I always use the counseling center as an example, right? The counseling services, counseling center is everybody's business. If I see a student in distress, I have a duty to this university, but also as a human being to step in and at least the very least say, are you okay? make a referral, walk them to the counseling center if they're in big dis a significant distress. I see career services very similar, but the stakes aren't as high, fortunately. So it shouldn't scare people as much, right? Because certainly when you see a student in distress, there's some anxiety that comes with trying to help that student, making sure you don't say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. So with career services, we recognize that these conversations are happening all over campus, many times informally. A student with their faculty advisor, a student with their academic advisor, student with their advisor of their student club organization, student to student. These things are happening. And so we wanted to make sure that people understood that this, it's okay. This is part of your business. Don't shy away from it. 
but let's help get information out there so that you're able to provide support as much as possible while also still making the referral. So it's about closing that loop. So that's how it all started. We wanted to make sure that folks understood that this needs to go beyond partnerships. Yeah, we do a lot of collaborating. We have a lot of partnerships, but it's about empowering people across campus to feel comfortable having these conversations with students. And by the way, if you don't know the answer, that's okay. We don't know all the answers. <laughs> Sometimes students come to us with a very specific interest in a very specific field, a discipline that we've never heard of. Well, guess what? We're not going to say, sorry, we don't know. We can't help you. What we're going to say is, we don't know, but we're going to put you in contact with a person that does know, whether that's an alum or a faculty member who has done research in this particular, you know, very specific um, niche field. So I think once people hear that, they feel a little bit more at ease with, okay, you know, this isn't rocket science. And also, no one's life is hanging in the balance when it comes to career. Not at this stage. I mean, you know, when you think about it, even though for some students, this can be very anxiety inducing, and I respect that. At the very, when you think about what's at stake, it's okay to provide that support to students. So that's where it was, it kind of was born out of our, our strategic plan. And has since then, you know, we have just, you know, we throw that tagline, you know, on, on things, whether it's an email or marketing all the time, because we want people to feel empowered that to support students in whatever way they can support them. So that's what our career service is, everybody's business. And we continue to do, use it to this day. Okay. So how does that, that motto kind of guide your team's work there at Topple? Well, I mentioned the word collaboration. So, you know, we have a set of values at the Topple Career Center that really inform our work and kind of keep us moving forward. And collaboration is one of them. And I understand that it's an overused word. Everybody talks about collaboration. I actually like to use the word partnership as well. I think partnership is more of a solidified kind of ongoing collaborative effort. But I think that's how career services is everybody's business helps. That's how it comes alive, right? So it's not just about asking a department or a faculty member to partner, to collaborate with us on something. Although we do that all the time, but it's more about let's solve a problem together, right? So it goes beyond just the one-off program. It is about, okay, we're seeing this gap for students in this particular population. Can we work together? A, to First, let's just have conversations about it. Let's just explore what this is about. What are the potential reasons for this? Let's bring other people to the table that should be brought to the table. And then let's work on ways or ideas to overcome those obstacles, in particular to remove obstacles for students. That, to me, is a perfect example of how career services is everybody's business comes to life and how that value of collaboration and partnership really keeps us going because there's no way we can do it alone. You know, we don't have enough staff. No career center has enough staff. Well, I think I know a few that do. I'm jealous of those. But um, <laughs> they're not many. But, you know, we don't have the expertise in every single field. It's just impossible, right, you know, to do that. So we have to rely on other folks. And rightfully so. We should. I mean, these are folks who are working with college students. And again, it's not just other faculty. It's not just faculty members. I always say whether you are a professor or a staff member or an administrator, you are in the business of educating students. I consider myself an educator through and through. I don't do it in the classroom, but I certainly believe and I strongly feel that I am an educator. So again, it's about reminding people that. And you help them through that with collaboration, but also just sharing information and making them feel more confident. Right. And I imagine having the more people that you have on campus that are assisting with these career conversations, the more diverse perspectives you get. Like it's not just exactly. the five people on the career team or however many there are. It's hundreds or thousands of people across campus who could potentially be talking to those students. Absolutely. Because any career center will tell you, you know, 
there's always this idea, especially if you have a business school on your campus, oh, career services is just for business students. So really, this helps to kind of break down that myth because it is a myth. It's not the case. I get why people think that because that's how recruiting happens for that, you know, for business students. But having these folks all over campus that are outside of business and perhaps even our engineering, it provides a support to students that maybe they wouldn't have gotten otherwise, or maybe it's in-depth, or maybe even thought to go to the career center. So if you have these folks on campus who know this information, who are willing to serve as a point of contact or resource, they're providing that those kind of informal conversations while also then telling the students, by the way, have you used Topple yet? You know, you should do this. I know that they have this thing called Handshake. I know that they do this, those kinds of things. So again, it helps to your point. You have this little army all over campus that are supporting the work that you do. Right, I love that. Do your students get terrible career advice from YouTube and TikTok? Give them access to better video content with Candid Career Plus. The YouTube of career videos, Candid Career Plus is an expansive video library with thousands of career-focused videos that cover a wide range of topics, interests, industries, advice, and more. And every video is sourced from best-in-class career content creators, including ADP List, Way Up, and many more. Learn more at goyouconnect.com slash candidcareerplus. Kind of on that, that note, so what are some of the ways that you and your team have implemented this career services is everybody's business concept? Well, we have a lot. <laughs> and we don't have enough time unless you want this podcast <laughs> to be a couple hours. But you know, I, I think I'll focus on several that have happened, some more recent ones, and then one that's been around for, you know, number of years. So one of the things that we have launched most recently is we put together a faculty, what we call our topple faculty toolkit. And this was kind of born out of the idea of how do we get information into the hands of faculty members that will help them understand what career services is all about. So that's there's that one piece to it. But also what are the different ways that faculty members can engage with the career center with actual ideas, not just come and engage with the career center. No. Engagement is important. These are some actual tried and true examples of the ways you can connect with us and engage with us. So that's another piece. Another piece is on an email template that they can send to students, urging them to utilize the resources at the top career center. And that can be modified however they see fit, as well as information on how to insert things into their curriculum and syllabi related to career. So for example, professor has an assignment, and if they look at one of the career readiness competencies that makes sense, they can actually put a line in there that says, when you complete this assignment, you would have increased or you would have improved or whatever the wording was, they would want the career readiness competency of technology and communication, so on and so forth. So giving them those concrete examples. So that's something newer that we did that we've launched. And we're doing that with the nine different schools and colleges and trying to tailor the toolkit for each one. So that's one example. The other is really kind of centered around access. We want to make sure students recognize and know and are able to access jobs and live jobs and internships where they are. And for some of them, they may be right on our website and on Handshake and they're, you know, they're great and they're savvy and they're using it all the time. For other students who maybe not that, let's say, strategic about their <laughs> career, we wanted to make sure that they saw this where they are. But we also wanted to make sure that faculty and staff and all the schools and colleges knew what these jobs were. But not just like go to this job bank and you see all these millions of jobs. Instead, what we've done, we created live job and internship RSS feeds that are curated, that are directly taken out of, from Handshake and placed on each of the respective school and college websites. 
And they're curated by entering keywords based on the particular discipline or disciplines, as well as industry keywords that will then show students in column format, one, you know, your internships, one for jobs, the 20 most recent job and internship listings would be very specific to what they're studying or the industries related or adjacent to their major and or what they're studying and or the industry. So what this has done is really allowed us to, it's still handshake, the information is in handshake, but it allows us to place them on each of the school and college websites with their aesthetic in terms of their color palette and how that website looks. It doesn't look like just add-on. It looks like it's just part of the arts and sciences website or the school of architecture website. So that's another example of career services, everybody's business and this whole career everywhere movement, I'll call it. It's being where they are. So there's no excuse. You can't say you haven't seen these things, right? And it also serves as a marketing tool. If I'm being honest, as students and parents, prospective students and parents are shopping around, we know that they're one of the biggest things that they're looking at is, will I get a job when I graduate? How is this university going to set me up? So imagine you're a prospective parent, the parent of a prospective student, you're doing your research and you see, oh, wow, you know, look at this, you know, look at these like live jobs that actually exist. It sends a message that the university is already thinking about this for their students and helping them prepare for life after college. So that's an extra, really important piece of that. So those two are certainly more of the newer initiatives. The one that's been around, the example I'm going to give you is our Topple Awards, which we launched. We just actually had our eighth annual Topple Awards ceremony, which launched, which was on Friday, last Friday. And at the time, I mean, I had kicked around this idea for a couple of years with some of my staff members at the time, and they thought I was crazy. I'm like, why are we giving out awards? We're career center people. But I had this idea. People like to be recognized, and they should be recognized for the work that they're doing across campus. You know, everybody gives out, you know, there are a lot of award ceremonies on college campuses. Why shouldn't we recognize people that are providing support, doing amazing programs, and also includes awards for employers and recruiters? We should recognize that. Did I know at that time that we were going to launch this career services is everybody's business model? No. And I would love to say that I had this whole plan laid out and strategically, you know, all these years I had, you know, I managed to lie and say that that was my goal the entire time. But it all kind of, when I think about it now, I'm like, wow, that kind of really set the stage for everything. Because when you look at the folks who win these, who nominate themselves or other people nominate them, when you see the caliber of work that's happening on this campus, when it comes to career education, career guidance, you'll be blown away. And I'll continue to be blown away. And so that is a true representation of career services in everybody's business. And of course, we also have a career champions program, which I think it's important to mention. I know a lot of universities have the career champions program. And I wanted to mention that one because we're utilizing, we took this idea from one of your podcasts. So shout out to you all and our friends at UConn. We totally ripped this idea off, but they list, they have a whole faculty career champions portion of their UConnect site. And I was like, that's what we need to do. So we're in the process of working with your folks to make this happen. We call our UConnect site custom career content. And so that's going to be in there. And we'll also add the faculty toolkits for that. So again, the idea of career services is everybody's business just continues to grow and evolve as we move forward. Oh, I love to hear that, that you kind of got your ideas from UConn's program. It's a really robust program. (laughs) Yeah, I was watching that. I was like, okay, I'm a little jealous, but that's good. I love when people, when I see things that other folks are doing that I get inspired by. You know, that's what it's about. I mean, just steal from each other. We, you know, we're borrowing <laughs> from each other and you make it work for your particular institution. So I thought that, yeah, and you're right. They have a really great program that actually we took, we're taking several ideas from them. So shout out to them. <laughs> I'll have to let Nancy Bilmes know that she said that. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. So I would love to kind of dig into 
the first three strategies that you mentioned. So that's the faculty toolkit, the RSS job feeds, and the topple awards. So why don't we go ahead and start with the faculty toolkit since that's kind of the newest one and probably freshest on your mind. Can you just tell me a little bit more about it, what it is, why you decided to do it, what response has been, and so on? Sure, absolutely. So this actually was born out of a meeting I had with our provost. And, you know, we were just talking about how do we galvanize faculty members to be involved and to help be our champions, whether they're a part of a, they're an official champion or not. How do we get them to see their role in this? And the provost is like, why don't you start very basic? Just have them, why don't you craft an email that they can send on your behalf, but that they can customize, encouraging them to, you know, use your services. So I took that idea because I thought, okay, that's actually that's pretty old school, pretty like you know, basic, nothing you know, really <laughs> mind blowing there. But topple being topple, we're not going to just do that, right? We always think, okay, let's if we're going to do this, we have to do it right, and we let's throw more information, but not overdo it either, right? Faculty love data, they love information, but also you know they're busy, so you don't want to overdo it. And so we decided to start with the College of Arts and Science. It's our largest school on campus, and let's just get out of the way, right? They're the biggest one. <laughs> So what I decided to do was I sent an email to the Dean of the Arts and Sciences, who's great, by the way, and support of what we do, as well as to each of the department heads for that school. It also helps that my boss, who's the Dean of Undergraduate Affairs, also is a faculty member in Arts and Sciences. So I got to like um, brainstorm what would be the best way to do this. And that's when we came up with the, with the idea, the strategy of let's email the deans and the department heads rather than us just going directly to the faculty, which they may not. They're busy, may not, you know, maybe they delete it, maybe they don't get around to it. So last summer, I sent an email to that group and basically said, talked a little bit about research and showing that, you know, students who, you know, receive support or information from their faculty members regarding career tend to do better in terms of their career plans and, you know, success after college. And so we started with that. And I said, you know, we're currently working on this faculty toolkit, which will include some tools to help you, yes, email students and encourage them to use Topple, but more importantly, introduce you to what Topple is if you don't know and all the many things that we do, but also educate you on what career readiness is and so on and so forth. As soon as it's done, we will be emailing the toolkits you know, to you and we're asking that you send it to the faculty in your respective departments on our behalf. Of course, we'll be there every step of the way. If you prefer a different process, we're, you know, we're happy to consider that. So no, everybody you know, seemed on board with this. So we finished the toolkit at the end of summer and we decided to include an infographic about the Topple Career Center. So basic information, who we serve, the different teams, the resources most that are high, most highly used, information about handshakes, so on and so forth. Then we included information about career readiness. What is career readiness? And so we obviously list the different competencies in an infographic style. Then we go into the faculty engagement menu. And as I mentioned before, it wasn't just about, yeah, you know, email us to engage with us. No. These are actual concrete examples that have worked and that continue to work on this campus with other faculty members. So these are some ideas. However, we're also open to trying brand new things. You know, you have a different idea. Obviously, the email template, which from the voice of the faculty member, but again, we allow them and encourage them to, you know, alter it how they they see fit. But it's about encouraging the students to utilize the resources we have to offer. And then the last piece is ways to infuse or just basically either really infuse into their curriculum or just, you know, make a connection or just basic information in their syllabi related to career education. So that can mean look for these events coming up, you know, this semester, which is pretty basic, or the faculty member can highlight the different competencies 
that students will achieve at the end of each assignment or paper or at the end of the class. So it's about tying what they're learning in the classroom to these competencies. And there's many more, there are not many, but there's several other examples. So again, we kept it simple. I think it's maybe about eight to nine pages max. We decided to go the PDF route with obviously with live links in it because we wanted it to be as easy as possible. We didn't want to have it on a website just yet. We wanted them to be able to download it. We certainly don't want to print it because we want to be able to make changes on the fly and just do that quickly. But for those faculty members who still like to print, they could certainly print it <laughs> and then they have it, right? And so we emailed it out, as I said, and you know, it was kind of a didn't hear anything. Not one thing. Which sometimes with faculty, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> but then I started thinking, did it get lost? I mean, to not have one email. So I asked my boss, what are your thoughts on this? How do you think we should She's like, okay, let me, um, she's like, let me do some, you know, recognizance, recognizance. So she started <laughs> talking to her colleagues and they all loved it. She heard from the different department heads. They all loved it from faculty members as well. They were really impressed by it. They loved the design. And all of a sudden I started getting emails from different professors. Thank you so much for this. This is beautiful. This is so helpful. So it has been received very well. And so since then we've launched the other ones for each of the other schools and colleges. We're not completely done, but we're almost done. Because we want to tailor them and make them as curated as possible. for So it's not just one general one for everybody. And like I mentioned before, the next phase would be to host these on our Uconnect, I guess, faculty site. So that for those who do want to go to the website, they're able to click on it and just you know find, find it easily. The other thing I'll mention is we have an office. It's called Pedal. Maybe it's pedagogy. But basically, it's all about teaching, excellence in teaching and learning, right? So it's helping its tools and resources to help professors become even better teachers, stronger teachers. And so one of my staff members had a great idea. She's like, well, what if we ask the person who runs that program if they could list the faculty toolkit in their resources section? I said, that's a great idea. I asked. They said, yes, it was done within a week. I mean, it was an easy thing. Five years ago, well, pedals didn't exist, but let's say it did exist five years ago, it probably would have taken a much longer time. So it just shows you know, how far we've come. So again, it sounds pretty basic. It's a PDF. But one thing I will say, and I know you're asking me about the RSS, which, you know, I guess I'll make that transition for us if you want. <laughs> but one of the things we learned really quickly that was very obvious when we started down the, the live internship feed journey you know, path was that it wasn't that faculty, not that faculty don't want to work with us or collaborate with us. They have no idea. If I can't tell you how many times we heard from faculty, you do all of this? Like their eyes just like, I'm like, yeah, welcome to career services. We do it all. And like, we had no idea that you do this and you offer this and what, you know. And I said, yeah. And also they're like, we heard several times, oh my God, we get all these job postings from this particular company or this, you know, association. And I don't know what to do with them. So I just, hole punching them, put them in a binder. And I was like, oh my God, a binder in 2022. <laughs> this is when we started the process. And so it was just a wake-up call. But it was nice to know that it wasn't that faculty, isn't that faculty don't find value in what we do. They oftentimes don't know what we do. I think there's this myth, maybe it's a myth, maybe a little bit reality that faculty find career services is kind of taboo. You know, we are we are not here to help students find jobs. We are here to create better citizens and, you know, have people who are going to make an impact on the world, which I don't disagree with. But talk to a parent, <laughs> talk to <laughs> legislators. They want to make sure that these students are getting jobs. So I think that tide is starting to change, but we have, what we found was that they just don't know. So again, the faculty toolkit is a tool for them to A, educate themselves, but then also have things that they can easily use in their classroom. So what the live job and internship piece, right? <laughs> We did not practice as people. I um, just want to make sure that we, you know. We, so what I will say is with the RSS feed, 
the idea was actually brought to me by Christine Cruz Regara at Handshake, who's a really good friend of mine. And this was a while back, it was pre-COVID. And she had mentioned to me that James Madison University had just was on the cusp of launching theirs. It was something that was backed by their president, Christine, obviously, because, you know, she works for Handshake, but also it's her alma mater. And so she presented this idea to me. She's like, I think this would be great. I could see this really working at the University of Miami. And I know you're trying to get faculty, you know, more engaged. So she's like, what do you think? I said, absolutely. Let's get it done. So then COVID hit. So that slowed things down and all that. But it was easy, but it was time consuming. And what I mean by easy is that Handshake makes it easy. So in terms of creating the feeds, it's just keywords for what my staff has told me because I didn't do out of, you know, to be fully transparent, I did not work on the actual feed. But they were very easy to put together. But after talking to the folks at James Madison, one of the things they said very clearly was, you cannot do this alone. If you want buy-in from faculty and from the different departments, you know, the schools and colleges, you have to get them. They have to be part of the process. So what we did was we created the feeds. Again, we started with College of Arts and Sciences. We did three phases of three schools each. So the first phase we did, Arts and Sciences was one of them. And that's a big one. So you're dealing with, you know, criminology and you're dealing with psychology and sociology and geography. So we put together a bunch of the feeds. We built them, you know, we start, we created them, but then we set up meetings painstakingly with faculty members and the IT people of those respective departments. And of course, we lumped some of them together, like sociology, psychology, we brought those folks together. But we'll, rather than kind of presenting this kind of nebulous kind of, you know, abstract idea, we actually were able to show them, look, this is what this is about. Let's pull it up. We did them via Zoom. This is what it would look like. What do you think about these? And they were like, blown away. But they were like, well, you know what? I don't see anything about grant writing in here. So what if we include what? So that's where the conversation started happening. We start adding keywords and it makes those, the actual feeds much more robust and much more curated for those particular majors. That created so much goodwill among the faculty and staff because they really appreciated us bringing them to the table. There were zero faculty members throughout the entire one-year project who said, this is dumb. I don't like this. This is not necessary. It was the complete opposite. So while it took a long time, mainly because of scheduling, to be honest, it was worth it because there's just buy-in across the board. We did work with our IT, our university master, to make sure that it looked like the universities, you know, in terms of the design that we were going to use, the accordion style drop-down and all that. But we also wanted it to be... We wanted it to fit with the website of each of the schools and colleges. So each school or college has a different color in terms of their, whatever you call it, the banner or the, I don't know, whatever you call it, because I don't know the, the terminology. But nursing, let's say, theirs is like a deep purple. So theirs look purple. And so it looks like it's integrated as opposed to this appendage just living on their website. We also included some content that they can add to that page, but we also recommended that they include other things related to career that they saw, you know, they would see fit. So again, painstaking process in terms of time, but in terms of collaboration, it was fantastic. And it just, like I said, it created a lot of goodwill between our, our areas. Yeah, I can see how collaboration really played a huge role in both of these projects, both of the faculty yeah. toolkit and then with the RSS feeds. So I just to clarify with the RSS feeds, are there like curated feeds on both like the college sites, so let's say like the College of Arts and Sciences, and then on individual school sites, like within that college? Yeah, so okay. College of Engineering, if you go to their career page, you're going to see aerospace and you're going to see mechanical. And then so if you click on one, then you're going to see the separate ones, right? But you're going to just see it on their main website. Then it'll go, it'll just open up. But then you have Arts and Sciences, which has 
all these different departments. So each department will have their own RSS feed. Now, there's a lot of overlap because think about grant writing. That's going to be applicable to geography, to psychology, to sociology, modern languages, so on and so forth. So jobs and you know internships and grant writing. So there was a lot of overlap and that was okay. We loved that. But then there were also some very specific ones. So they do live in each of the schools and colleges. They also live on our website, you know, our TOPL website, which is just basically a directory. Again, we put that in there. It's just this kind of like a secondary kind of, you know, in case they missed it. But we definitely wanted it on their website. We've also worked with the folks in admission to include it in their admission website. And that's still in the works. But we're going to put that somewhere so that, again, the prospective students and parents see it when they go to the you know, admissions website or just information about being admitted to the university. See, and I bet the admissions team is probably plugging the fact that all of the college and department pages also have these job feeds. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and it's great because, you know, whenever we now when we get questions, if it's a faculty member or someone that asks about jobs, I'm like, oh, yeah, you haven't seen the, the feeds that they exist on the website, you know, so on this school website, or that school website. I will say one piece I forgot to mention, how do we get them to even know about when I say that, I mean, the schools and colleges, how do I get them to even know about this project? Well, I worked with the provost. There's a meeting of all the deans. It's kind of like a, the dean's council. So there's that one. And then there's what we call ADAC, which is our assistant dean and vice dean academic council. They're two different ones. So I presented at both of those meetings or at one of their meetings to talk more big picture about how do we get more students to engage in internships? How do we break down barriers? That kind of a thing. And just kind of comparing us with some of our peers and then launching into these are some of the things that we're doing to increase access, awareness, and then action. Those are the three A's that we came up with because it's great if you're aware of them, but if there's no action, what's the point? So when I talked about the um, live internship feeds, I mean, there was just, it was Zoom, but I could just see and people writing in the chat how great, how excited they were for the, about the idea. And as a matter of fact, arts and sciences, we had initially put them in phase three because they're the largest, right? And immediately after that meeting, Dean Backus, who's the, you know, arts and sciences, he sends me an email. He's like, I'm so excited about this. This is amazing. But my only criticism is it needs to be the, we need to be in the first phase. We're excited. You have my support. Anything you need, we'll make it happen. I was like, done, done. (laughs) And so in hindsight, it was the best decision because, you know, start big, you figure out all the potential glitches and then it kind of informs as you go along. So it made School of Architecture, which is this big, you know, a breeze, you know. So there was just a lot of goodwill. Again, once you have the buy-in from the folks at the top, it helps people being part of it and wanting to be part of it. So, yeah, it was great. Okay. I have just another quick clarifying question about the kind of how you curated these job and internship feeds. So was it combination of like the tagging system from Handshake or were you also kind of inputting your own tagging system? Can you just tell me a little bit more about how you did that? So now we're getting to the danger zone of technical. I'm just kidding. <laughs> from what I have been told, and I actually do love technology, but I just wasn't, I wasn't involved you know, in the details of this. It is all keyword so you know you're i think you're putting in keywords whether it's grant writing or python or whatever the different things and what it's going to do is going to bring those jobs and internships that match those keywords it's not always perfect so that's why you know you have to keep trying so sometimes you know if you throw in a word like i don't know urban planning you may get jobs like you know we don't put words on jobs let's say for urban outfitters but it may let's say if we did it would maybe bring so you have to like you know kind of keep messing with it and playing with it to make sure they come out as close to what you want as possible. That's where faculty were really critical. Mm-hmm. And we also recognize that it's never a perfect 
it's never going to be perfect. Every once in a while, you'll get a job or internship that doesn't really make sense, you know, for that particular area. But I would say 90% of the time, they're pretty solid. And if there are no jobs that meet that criteria, in that moment in time, it'd just be empty. But we don't see that often either. So it's a nice outcome. And the nice thing about a live feed is you can always adjust it as you go. Right. And by the way, they also kind of babysit themselves. I mean, once a job expires, there's no like job just sitting there. So students aren't applying to jobs that no longer exist, right? Because it is directly tied to Handshake. So when they click on the job, it'll show them a preview of the job. And then if they want to apply, it takes them to Handshake. So then they have to log into Handshake. So for prospective students, obviously, they can see all the information. They just can't apply. So you know, still have to be a student here. But yeah, they just take care of themselves. But still, we do have a kind of a checks and balances system. So once a semester, each of the liaisons to their respective school or college is responsible for going in and just kind of checking the feeds to make sure that they look right and to make sure that they have not moved, which is something that has happened here or there. You know, you have, you know, let's say you have a new web person come in or a new program who doesn't know about the live job and for whatever reason moves it. And now it's under community or it's under fundraising. You're like, what? So. That's where I will step in and, you know, kind of reach out to the dean or the vice dean and say, hey, listen, I see that it's changed. Remember, the point of this is really to be visible and to provide access. So can we please move it back? And they've all been very great. I think it's only happened twice and they've been gracious about it. Okay. I just wanted to make a quick note for anyone who's watching or listening. I will be sure to include links to that faculty toolkit. Christian was kind enough to send me that PDF. So we'll make sure that's available in the show notes so you can check that out. And then we'll share some links to some of those RSS feeds so you can kind of see what they're doing and maybe rip off of of their strategy. Exactly. It's only (laughs) fair. It's only fair. Right. (laughs) Okay. So Christian, now I would like to move on to the Topple Awards. So it sounds like you've been doing this for a while. I think you said eight years. Can you just kind of give me an overview of what the awards program is? Yeah. So we, again, we just celebrated our eighth year. So Topple, if you're wondering, that it, those, that's the family that, you know, we are named after. It's a wonderful family, Patricia Topple and her husband. They funded the first, they provided the gift for the first iteration of Topple back in the mid nineties. I've been here a long time, but not that long <laughs> to convert what was then the bowling alley into the career center. And then fast forward to 2012, when the current president at the time decided to move us out of where we were to put admission in our office. They showed me where we were going to be. And I was like, oh, my God, it was these two awful buildings. And I was like, oh. so the Topple family, once again, they provided the lead gift and it was helpful, which was critical to make this building amazing. And so anyway, so we obviously wanted to call it the Topple Awards. We call it Topple every, you know, we, call, we put that name on everything because we, that's what we're named after and we love them. They've been so supportive. But yeah, so like I said at the beginning, you know, really, this was a chance for us to really recognize and to also uncover what's going on on this campus related to career because we know, we know it's out there. And so maybe saying that we're gonna, that people are going to get an award, well, people crawling out of their nuts and their you know their caves to you know trying to say, listen, this is what I'm doing, and it was kind of like a hypothesis, you know, that I was testing. And it actually was true. It was very clear that students, both undergraduate and graduate, were doing amazing things for themselves, but also for other people, for their peers, but also faculty and staff. So we have a bunch of different categories. We have distinguished faculty, distinguished administrator of the year. We have program of the year student of the year, both undergraduate and graduate. We have what we call the Breakthrough Award, which is recognizing a program that breaks down barriers for other people or for themselves. That's one of our newer awards. And then we have the Patricia Topple Award, one that's selected by me for someone on Second Unsung Hero Award. And then Allie Rodriguez, who's our Employer Engagement Executive Director, she picks a recruiter that really is also an unsung hero for that particular year. All the other folks, there's a committee that both 
for people within Topple and outside of Topple to review those applications or those, yeah, those nominations, choose the winners. Every year, the number of nominations grows. And every year, the caliber grows, making it that much harder for that committee. I don't envy them. But yeah, it was a way. There's that. It was the altruistic reason to just, hey, let's recognize these people. But then the selfish reason was those people will then tell other people, oh, my gosh, I got this award. They're going to see all this stuff on Twitter. They're going to see the article that the news at the U, which the university puts together. They're going to see that. They're going to, you know, it's just we're a very much word of mouth campus. So that information will get out. So they will help us create this army. And sure enough, that is what it has done. I mean, we decided when we first launched it, it was an in-person luncheon where we actually had, you know, a really nice you know, sit down lunch and all of that. And then COVID happened and we didn't not want to do it. So we transitioned to Zoom. And can I tell you one of the few things about Zoom that people actually really like, one of the few programs, it worked out so well. We've made it super fun. I co-hosted with Ali, so we kind of make it an Amy Poehler slash Amy Poehler, <laughs> who's the other person she always presents with. So we make it. We try to make it as comedy as possible, but we allow, we showcase the finalists for each award category. We announce the winner, and each winner, you know, we give them a few minutes to actually address the audience, and you know. Their words are so amazing and insightful. It's a very special part of the program. And I keep using the word access. Now it's not just 100 people that can attend. It's anybody who wants to attend because it's via Zoom, right? And so the feedback that we get each time, it just blows me away. It's this really like heartwarming kind of ceremony that's also a lot of fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but also recognizes the work that people are doing. Something about the Topple Curse, I don't know if you know about all the artwork that we have in our building. It's commissioned by this company or this organization called Gaping Void. So I thought, I don't want to just give a plaque. Who wants another plaque? So what we decided from the very beginning was, why don't we create a -a one-of-a-kind award that's also an art piece that they can put in? So the messaging of the award kind of coincides with that particular theme was for the award. So we put a plaque behind it with their name and all of that to really make it special and different. And so... We actually give them an award, but actually during the ceremony, we have have a deck and it shows the digital version of that particular award. So it has really created a lot of excitement, a lot of appreciation on campus. I just got another email right before this meeting from someone just glowing about it and saying how great it was and thank you and so on and so forth. But yeah, it gets harder every year to pick these winners. (laughs) That's a good problem to have. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I loved your point earlier too about like not only is it a way to recognize people, but it's also a way for you and your team to understand what's going on across campus in terms of kind of increasing that career readiness in those career conversations. Absolutely. Like that is a genius way to kind of have the all of the information come inbound to you as opposed to you having to go out and try and find yeah. out what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I'll give an example. So one of the winners for the winner for program of the year this year was the Miami Herbert Business School they submitted their sophomore career class, which is something that they just launched recently. And they've done such an amazing job with it. And the faculty member that we work with over there, we have such a strong relationship with them. But again, I'm not involved in any of the selection process. I didn't even know they were nominated. And when I saw that they won, I was so happy because very deserved, very, I mean, they were all deserving. But they're also using the top awards as a way to increase their visibility and to showcase to all the other schools and colleges, to showcase to families, prospective families, to showcase to students, listen, we just won this award because of this amazing sophomore career class. So yes, well, it's there for goodwill. We want people to be recognized. It's also a marketing, a way to market something to show and to elevate the work that you're doing, which should be elevated and it should be recognized. Yeah. It's just a win-win all around. 
Absolutely. And you know, some people thought I was crazy. <laughs> I mean, no one said to my face that I was crazy, but I saw the looks. <laughs> Actually, my boss at the time was like, what? An award ceremony? You're like, why? What's the point? I'm like, you need to trust me. I'm going to have you speak for five minutes. That's all you have to do. Welcome, everybody. Be nice. <laughs> and you'll see. And once people saw it, I guess they trusted my vision. It worked out. So, so how did you convince them early on? I just did it. <laughs> I, I, I didn't convince anybody. I just did it. Like, you know, I luckily I work at a place where, well, folks may kind of be like, well, that's kind of weird, but okay, it's Christian just being Christian. They trust me to be able to know that I'm not going to bankrupt the school. I'm not going to bankrupt the department, that I do like to take risks and try new things. Fortunately, I have that support that I'm able to do that. And then in terms of like getting people to the event, you know, having them attend, it's not really hard. It's not, you know, it's not hard to get people to attend something where people are, other people are going to be recognized. So, and then the other thing I'll mention is now you have all these nominations, information about people through nominations, even the ones that didn't win that you didn't know before. Oh, so now I know these faculty members. Let me reach out to them. Let's create a partnership with them. Let's reach out and say, hey, thank you so much. It's going. Congratulations on being nominated. We'll see the work that you're doing. Let Can I take you to coffee? And then, you know, so now it just creates this, you have to kind of jump on the momentum and say, let's keep the conversation going. How would we have known about those folks had we not had something like the top awards? That's so smart. <laughs> and again, it all just comes again, back to Again, I would love to say those. I planned it out that way. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, anyone who wants to rip off of your strategy, they can say they planned it out that way. <laughs> exactly. That's okay. I won't tell anybody. Yeah. The, when you start really looking at all the different outcomes that something like a topple award would seem like a way to just have a fancy like lunch or whatever, really, it proves that it's not just about the lunch because we don't provide lunch anymore. It's about recognizing the people while also elevating the work that you're doing by offering this platform to people and a big marketing push for the work that you're doing and the other people are doing. Okay. I love that. This is such a good strategy. Okay. Well, I want to kind of start wrapping this up here a little bit. Mm -hmm. So Christian, what advice do you have for other career services leaders who want to do things like what you're doing and make career services everybody's business? So, you know, I think the best way or one of the best strategies, it's a simple one to share, share information, share information and share data widely. Don't be afraid of it. I think sometimes we're afraid of how people are going to interpret it or even share data maybe that doesn't show the university in the best light, but it's factual data. It's okay to do that. So remember the Dean's meeting that I told you where I was launching, kind of teased these different ideas? That started because when we compared ourselves to our peers, the percentage of students who engaged in at least one internship, we were way off, lower than our peers. I used that data to really galvanize people to support these kinds of programs because I was able to show... Our hope is that by offering live feeds, it will result in more students clicking on these things, which will result in students applying to more jobs, which will result in students getting jobs or internships and so on and so forth. But that's, that was only one of the many different tactics we were going to take. So sharing data that, yes, that you want to brag, right? But you also have to show where there's a gap, where there's a problem and how you're poised to solve that problem, but that you can't solve that problem by yourself as a career center office or director, you have to use other people. So I would say definitely rely, share the data, share the information, but then also asking how you can serve them. How can I help you? How can I make your job easier, the job of your faculty members easier or better, you know, when it comes to career or career adjacent? Sometimes we're not doing anything related to career per se, but it all is, you know, in one way or another, it definitely comes back to that. And then the last thing I'll say is to just try something. Just try something new. Try something different. You may think you don't get a lot of 
return on investment at the beginning, but at least you're moving forward. And it doesn't have to be something super flashy. Look at our faculty toolkit. It's a PDF. There's nothing really high tech about it, but it provides just enough information and resources that easily digestible by faculty members, and it doesn't overwhelm anybody. So I think sometimes small could be innovative. It doesn't have to be like, let's create this, you know, a new product, new app, new whatever. That's certainly innovation, but innovation goes beyond that as well. Yeah, that's some great advice. It made me think of the our uh, Career Everywhere job board we have on the Uconnect website. That started as a Google Sheet. It was a Google Sheet run by me for like seven months. And now it's this yeah. beautiful web page. But to get started, to have your minimum viable product, it was <laughs> Google Sheet. And it was effective. Exactly. And who knows what the faculty toolkit will look like in a year, two years. You just never know. But you have to start somewhere. And you can't... It's easy to be paralyzed by, well, faculty don't have time. They don't care. They don't, No, keep it moving. You have to try things. You can't just hide behind that. Yeah, because when you try something new, you're going to learn from it and then you can adjust from there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Christian, is there anything else about this topic that you would like to add or any questions that I didn't ask but should have? No, I think we covered everything. I know I probably rambled probably more than what you wanted me to, but (laughs) you know, I'm trying to provide as much information as possible because I hope you can see that I love this. I'm really, these kinds of things and conversations really excite me and motivate me. But if anybody has any questions, of course, they could reach out to me. You know, they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. You know, they could find my information on our, my website. But I would say one of those two social media platforms would be you know, the best way to reach out to me. Okay. And I'll make sure to include links to those in the show notes as well. So Christian, this is kind of the final question. So at the end of every interview, I like to do this answer a question, leave a question thing, where you'll answer a question our last guest left for you, and then you'll leave one for the next guest. So our last guests were Gene Ree and Jessica Best from the Lundquist College of Business at the University of Oregon. And they said they had a very important question for you. And that is, is a hot dog a sandwich? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> That's easy. It's not a sandwich. Although I know some people, I'm sure, you know, it's two pieces of bread, right? With meat in the middle of that, I guess that sandwich. But no, it's not. To me, it's different. The shape is different. This is different. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Good, strong answer. Did Gene know I was going to get this question? No, he didn't. Okay. 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 (laughs) Just wonder. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I posted a poll about this question. I said, is a hot dog a sandwich or a taco? And it turned into a very like heated debate on the Uconnect Slack channel. So overwhelmingly, people thought it was a sandwich. I think it's a taco. Okay. Interesting. I think it's more of a taco than it is a sandwich. (laughs) These are the important questions. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. It's going to keep me up tonight. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> what question would you like to leave for the next guest? So I will ask, because this is a question I have to get thrown around here. You know, we're in Miami. It's always, always warm. But is it still a faux pas to wear white after Labor Day? The fa- is it still a fashion faux pas to wear white after Labor Day? Oh. That's my question. Very important. All right. Very important. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so important that at the end of the movie, Serial Mom, if you had never heard of that movie or seen it, it's a John Waters film. It is, it's like a dark comedy. A person gets killed over this topic at the very end. <laughs> but it's a funny kind of movie. But anyway, so yeah, where you white after Labor Day. Very important. All right. I'd like to know. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you very much for being on the pod today, Christian. It was great thank to have you. you. This was awesome to learn about these kind of all these different strategies you and your team are trying and seeing a lot of success with. So I'll be excited to see how they continue to grow and evolve in the future. But thank you very much again. Thank you so much, Meredith. This was great. Have a nice day.
That's all for this episode of Career Everywhere. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.